Hey, what is up? And welcome back to the podcast. Um, Becoming the character. Uh, it's the voice of the podcast, Dallas Prater. I'm going to actually keep this intro real short because I'm downstairs. I don't have a microphone on me. Um, But the guy in this podcast episode, you know, he needs no introduction. And, you know, I had the honor of a few weeks ago doing an interview with legendary entrepreneur and podcaster, John Lee Dumas. Um, He's probably the most downloaded entrepreneurial podcaster ever with over 100 million downloads you know, make six figures every single month. Um, so rich and extremely influential. Um, and every entrepreneur that you know or look up to or, you know, he, you know, or, you know, they're important on the Internet or even in, you know, in, in other areas of life, he's done interviews with them and he's probably acquainted with them. Um, and, you know, I had the honor, like I said, of doing, having 15 minutes sit down with him um, and just learning a little bit about his life, who he is, and, you know, his business. And so uh, this is the John Lee Dumas interview. If you want to listen to more to his podcast, it's called Entrepreneur on Fire. You probably already knew that. Um, But without further ado, I'm just going to send you to the interview because, again, um, I don't have a microphone. I don't want to have this, you know, rusty audio on the front and have it go on forever and ever. So here's the interview. Hope you enjoy. Um, I'm going to actually just tag the introduction onto the beginning of the podcast, so everyone cool. knows who you are already. But um, you grew up in Maine. What, uh, what, what was your experience growing up in Maine like? Maine was a very small town um, or a small state, and I grew up in a small town within a small state, not geographically, but population-wise. Very rural. Um, it was one of those where, like, you would you know, walk down or take your bike down to the local park and just leave it, you know, just laying there, forget it overnight, go back there, be the same place mm-hmm. in the morning. I mean, it's kind of one of those places where, you know, it was really small town, rural life. And mm-hmm. I was fortunately in Southern enough Maine where I was exposed to like a city like Boston, which is a pretty good sized city. So yeah. I got some of that exposure at a young age going, going forward. But um, it really wasn't until I left for college in Providence, for Providence, Rhode Island, that I really kind of was living in more of a city environment to kind of experience mm-hmm. that. So, you know, Maine was idyllic in a lot of ways, but, you know, yeah. it's like kind of there, there, there were there were some, some negatives to growing up in a place like that. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I grew up in uh, Maryland, so kind of small, too. Um, what were your, some of your favorite parts about growing up in Maine? And in Maine, did you travel a lot? Did you have a family that went places? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people do like to say that, oh, the four seasons are amazing. You know, that's why you live in Maine. It's like, well, let's <laughs> let's really break that down because <sighs> winter sucks. It's cold. It's dark. It's wet. It um, spring, it's kind of okay, but it just like rains all the time and it's like humid. Summer's so unbelievably hot like it gets hotter than it does here in puerto rico in the summer in maine and then mm. it falls honestly pretty awesome because the leaves change and all that Crazy, but man. it's like three or four weeks of awesome and then it's like too cold again so mm. i don't know i mean i think the four seasons are a little overstated but um you know there's a lot of beautiful parts i did love living near the ocean and also yeah. near mountains so i got to ski on the weekends and do all those kind of uh, interesting things mm-hmm. like you know cross-country ski downhill ski sledding right. get to experience all those different things as well so i mean it, it was it was it was good for those reasons but um I, i'm one of the i'm one of those people who got out of maine and never really looked back 
Yeah. So you don't miss it very much at all. You know, I miss the people in Maine and mm-hmm. I go back there a couple of times a year just to be with the people, but the state itself, I could take it or leave it. Mm, that's interesting. A lot of people move out of their home state. It really, uh, it really bothers them. Yeah. Um, but did you travel around a lot as a kid through different states and different countries? A lot of traveling. Yeah. My, my parents were always big on traveling and we did a lot of really cool trips and I got to experience a lot. And I always was kind of the opposite. I always liked the difference and the variety of going to new places. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like ever since I left Maine, you know, I've lived in so many different places. You know, the army of course took me to a lot of different places, yeah. but you know, even by choice, like living in San Diego and now living in Puerto Rico and, mm-hmm. you know, being pretty open to living pretty much anywhere, you know, at least for a time to, to, to test and to check it out. Yeah. And so in those travels, had, had you left the country before or was Iraq the first time you left the country? No, I left the country multiple times. Like mm-hmm. my parents, um, took us on multiple trips to Europe. Um, wow. yeah. And mm. so we, we, did, we did some cool trips like that. Um, but it was definitely the first time I went to the middle East was yeah. in Iraq. Yeah. And what was that experience? Like, are there, are there any memories that you can count in that 13 month span that, that, that have stuck with you? You know, one of the craziest memories was we're in Kuwait. We're about to cross the DMZ. And we're all being told like, okay, you're going into Iraq. You're going into enemy territory. Like you need to have your A game on. You've got to be serious. And we cross the DMZ at night under the cover of darkness. Mm -hmm. And we go a little ways in, maybe just like one mile into Iraq. And of course I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I'm just surrounded by enemies now. Like this is it. And as we were stopped, I looked and I could see a house in the far distance and in the house, I could see there's a TV on and I pulled my binoculars out and my binoculars were pretty powerful and they zoomed in on the screen and these people were watching friends. And it was <laughs> one of the weirdest experiences of my life to be like, this is just a family sitting back at night, watching an episode of friends, enjoying life. And yeah. That was just a really interesting thing that happened. And, you know, of course, you know, 99% of people in Iraq, you know, were just trying to live happy, peaceful lives. Yeah. You know, it's just the 1% that was, you know, the, the reason why we were there. So I kind of mm-hmm. tried to keep that memory for my entire time there of like, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm meeting people out in the streets and stuff, like they're probably going home tonight and watching friends. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see a piece of, uh, what we assume is home in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a distinct difference with, with that place than anywhere you've been? Or was it just like any other country? Distinct. Because there's always this weight that was pressing down on us of mm-hmm. we might get shot any minute. There might yeah. be an incoming mortar round happening any minute. There might be an yeah. IED on the road that's going to explode when we drive over it. And thankfully you just don't have that same worry or concern when you're mm-hmm. not in a place that's really prepped for war. So yeah. that was the biggest thing was just always walking down the street and being like, this, you know, could be it. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't know. And it was for a lot of soldiers. Oh man. Is that something that stayed with you or has it gone since you've left Iraq? 
I mean, the, the memory stayed with me and I dealt with depression, PTSD, um, mm. throughout my mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, and you know, I did have to, to seek therapy and help for that because it was, you know, pretty significant. And I do feel mm. like it's something into my early forties where I'm at now where I have truly been able to put that behind me, but yeah. you know, there was, there was a stretch of time where it was, you know, really tough. Mm-hmm. And in your uh, late twenties to early thirties, if that hadn't existed, is there anything that would have happened differently? You know, uh, corporate finance, commercial uh, real estate investing, going to law school, had any of that, would any of that have been different if that hadn't existed? I bet it would. And probably for the negative, to be honest, because a lot of the things that I took away from Iraq is that, man, life is short Mm -hmm. and it can be snatched away from you at any minute. So I refused to stay in any role or position or, you know, law school that, you know, wasn't making me happy. I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't find happiness here. It's not going to just appear like I need to go and search and find it and own it. And that just kind of allowed me the courage to keep quitting things that I really shouldn't have been in the first place. Cause that's what you do in your twenties. You try different things and most of them don't work. Um, but most people never have the courage to walk away from those things that don't work. And so this random decision you've made in your twenties now becomes the rest of your life. It's kind of sad. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, because you've been so many places, um, a lot of what you feel about the world has probably been demystified. Um, you've experienced real hardship. And so in that way, a lot of people who haven't are in the dark. Is there misconceptions that people have about either Iraq or even the rest of the world that are wrong? And, and also, does that change the way that you view the way you're governed now? I think it, that the biggest misconception is that people are different. To me, like that's the biggest thing that I realized is that we all have different joys, sadnesses, desires, wants, needs, all of those things. But at the core, man, like I, I can be talking to like a, a boy in Iraq or a girl in Prague where I was a couple of years ago, or you know, a parent in Guatemala where I lived for four years or an uncle in India where I backpacked for four months, you know, back in the um, late 2000s. And it's just like, at the end of the day, people just want to find security, happiness, freedom to like pursue what they are passionate about pursuing um, or the ability to, to pursue something that, that, you know, gives them the opportunity to find a passion. Like they just don't know what that is at that time. And it just keeps coming back to that is that, you know, it doesn't matter like where you live or what you're doing at the end of the day, the core has all has been pretty similar. And that's kind of one of the things I've really loved about traveling has really shown that to me mm-hmm. is that, you know, even though I was in Iraq fighting a war, you know, 99% of the people in Iraq, they just wanted what 99% of people in the United States want, which is like mm-hmm. a happy, safe, secure existence. Yeah. With a lot of the recent changes in the world, you know, and this relates to the last question, a lot of people, um, you know, they have a lot of 
misconception about how dire their issues are because they haven't experienced things in the world. And so there may be a lockdown or there may be, I don't even talk about this on the podcast, but there may be a lockdown or something happening. Um, maybe even something like a tax situation. I know you said you worked to the, for the government till June 15th in previous uh, years of your life. Um, and these are sharp pins and pricks in the lives of most people. Um, is your perspective different on all the events occurring around you, seeing the government, you know, the, the way other countries are governed, or are you right there with people in the way they feel? Are you, are you relating to that? So what's the question? Um, because of what you've experienced in the world, um, everything that you experience now here where you live, um, are you less mm-hmm. sensitive towards these things because you understand like, okay, there are worse things happening or better things happening elsewhere? No, I'd say I'm still very sensitive to it because, you know, it's all mm-hmm. about acclimatizing. I mean, I remember being in Iraq saying, if I ever like get out of here alive, like every mm-hmm. single day, I'm going to be so grateful just to be in a place where I'm not getting shot at. Yeah. Every day I'll, I'll have that gratitude. And then there'll be months and sometimes years that go by where I'm just like, wait a second, I haven't even like been grateful for that one time. Like, you know, and, and, and it was yeah. the only thing that I could think about. So like we as humans, we just, we acclimate to things so quickly and so easily. So I think, sure. Hey, like you're, you're around what you're around. It's going to be the focal point of your world. And that is going to be your world. Like here in Puerto Rico, I live in a very small community and this is our world. This is our little bubble. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people are talking about issues down here that you could care less about rightfully. So like right now we're dealing mm-hmm. with this major sargasm seaweed issue that's causing like all this smell and this stink and this methane gas is like, you know, bothering people rightfully. So I just had a neighbor last week who, you know, uh, rented out their place Airbnb and was loud. And there was like parties and drinking and all these things were going on. And I was like, that was the focal point of my world. Cause that was in my kind of periphery. So I think it's like, wherever you are, that's going to be your, your world in that moment. And of course, the internet has opened things up. So now we can like look and see what's happening in Afghanistan this very minute, which is, you know, very sad and crazy to see. But at the end of the day, what's all, what's around you. That's what, that's, what's really, um, you know, making an imprint on people's perceptions. hundred percent, man. That's beautiful. I uh, appreciate the time. Um, I hope you're safe from the gases and um, the hurricanes. <laughs> hope you're enjoying your life, your family, and everything like that. And I hope you have a good day, man. Thanks, Dallas. Thank you. You enjoy yourself. Adios, brother. Uh, peace out.